Don't let the bells end. Welcome to the sound of the start of Christmas football season in the EFL. This is the NTT20 betting show. We're sponsored by Betfair. This podcast will be myself, Ali Maxwell, my good friend, George Ellick, making our <laughs> Boxing Day betting picks ahead of the throbbing EFL docket. We've got three full slates in the space of seven days. It's going to be great. Uh, this podcast is for over 18s only. Uh, we will be talking about betting, about gambling. That comes with significant risks, so make sure that you understand them. Make sure you go to Be Gamble Aware if you don't feel that you understand the risks that come with betting. Last week was the one that we dream of, the one that we strive for. Out of the darkness into the light. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, I think I was just over five points up. You were just over four points up. So nine between us. Um, I was a Scott Sinclair goal away from a clean sweep, which would have been pretty exciting. He had one effort that went out for a throw-in. So I can't really claim a hard luck story there. But um, no, it's always nice to see people posting some winning bet slips of our selections because... Um, it's quite nice how few losing ones we get sent. So we have a, a very nice uh, group of listeners who still back our selections, but only tell us when they're winning. They only sing when they're winning. And we're very, very grateful for it. It was great to hear from some of you on social. We had seven winners, two losers, and one void. My goals bet, falling foul of the frozen weather. We had a clean sweep of the NAP, NB, and Lay categories, and your West Brom goals bet getting up as well. Great to hear from Johnny, who had all seven of the winners in a seven-fold. Thanks also to David, Ted, Dan. That wasn't it either. It's It was a real kind of when things are going your way weekend for, for me personally. Monday night, the Sheffield United nap was one thing, kind of, you know, waited basically 48 hours from Saturday night to see if we could make it the best week of the season, which it was. Sheffield United doing the business. But in the interim, taking a look at some stats on Sunday, and I noticed that who had the highest expected goals tally in the championship without having scored, and who had taken 30 shots in 20-odd games without finding the net, John Egan. I shared that information on the betting channel on the NTT20 squad. There was 50-1 to around first. There was 25-1 to around any time. Eight minutes in, corner from the right, John Egan, bosh. And that ended one of my favourite betting weekends ever and certainly helped with the Christmas shopping. So we have a certain spring in our step, I think it's fair to say. It feels really good to have a good weekend because they're not all good weekends, of course, and it's it's important to reiterate that. And we'll certainly start looking ahead now rather than looking behind us. So, George, with that in mind, full docket on Boxing Day and the 27th, what's the best bet in your eyes in the EFL? QPR to beat Cardiff at 2-1 to one is my nap. Starting with Cardiff, where you know I, I've spoken about how with Mark Hudson, there have been definitely some impressive things that he's done and you can see what he is trying to do off the back of Steve Morrison. Um, I wonder if I've been a little bit, if I've fallen for the trap that I often warn against, which is falling for some improved <clears throat> results under a, a caretaker manager. Possibly, um, but I, you know, I, I don't think necessarily it's Cardiff's performances themselves have been you know, incredibly good. It's more just credit to Hudson for, for trying to implement a more attacking style of play. But there's no denying that the recent performances and results have been incredibly poor. And if you're looking at their last four games in the championship, they've lost at home to Hull and Sheffield United, drawn away at Stoke 2 all, and then the one all draw against um, Blackpool last weekend. In a game where you know, they clearly hadn't enough chances to win it, um, but, you know, they didn't and they conceded an equaliser to, to Gary Medine and, and drew the game one all. So they're they're winless. You know, 
they're winless in their last four in the league and two of those games against Hull and Blackpool have come against sides who are going to be fighting off relegation this season and they come up against a QPR side here who um, have you know the market has turned against them understandably um, in the you know the, the poor run of form that occurred during the end of, of Mick Beale's reign um, and then the really poor performance against Burnley where they were they were hammered 3-0 but a couple of things kind of add to that firstly the the run of defeats under Beale was was just not as bad as as the the results were you know they were still projecting as a kind of a mid-table championship side they they were not taking their chances uh at all and, and it wasn't as bad as, as the results suggested and then we saw immediately in Neil Critchley's first game a, a a big upturn in terms of the performances themselves and several key players really standing out um in that game and that win at Preston where the the fullbacks Powell and, and Laird kind of dominated down the wings they, they could flood the midfield Irabunum in my opinion will be one of the standout performers in the second half of the championship this season he's he's had a great start to life on loan at QPR anyway but often with first loans it can take a bit of time and I think week on week he is becoming more and more of a dominant force and um, Willock of course back and fit and playing very well um, I assume that this is going to come too soon for Ilias chair, but given that he barely played a minute, uh, maybe he would just be desperate to come back and play football again. So, you know, his return would, would certainly be a welcome boost, although Albert, Albert Adoma himself had a good game um, against Preston. So it was a performance like full of quality where you could tell immediately Critchley's influence, um, you know, he certainly had, had instilled some belief into the players. And, and, you know, you rattle through the quality there. So many really dangerous ball carriers in that team and a lot of technical quality as well. So a Cardiff side who are currently pretty down on their luck, lacking a bit of confidence, not picking up many points. The fans that I've seen aren't particularly happy with the decision to give Hudson the, the job until the end of the season at this stage up against a QPR side who I think have bounced back and have a manager who has made a very good start to life, who went you know against the Preston side um, who I would have as, as being a fair bit better than this Cardiff team, had by far the better of the game at 0-0. Uh, Preston had a couple of chances at at 1-0 to QPR, but they got the three points. Yeah, I think I think QPR being um, the outsiders for this due to, to being away from home is um, is wrong. I think QPR should have the better of the game and they should be the better, have the, have be the team with more of a chance of winning this one. So yeah, 2-1 my nap. My nap is Bristol Rovers draw no bet away to Wickham Wanderers in League One this weekend. The, the price is 8-5. to five. That's 2.6 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I, I was tempted, I am still tempted to go bold and go straight up win at 3.7. But the fact is, I respect Wickham as two teams in a football match. And I think Wickham are in decent nick and I can certainly see a scenario where this is tough for, for Bristol Rovers. But this pricing doesn't reflect what I think about these two teams at the moment and particularly in the case of Bristol Rovers because I feel like on every single podcast, every single week, I'm talking about how impressive Bristol Rovers are and I don't really feel like anyone else is taking it seriously at this moment <laughs> in time and I don't really understand why and it's starting to wind me up a little bit. Is it because they were in League Two last season and so maybe for some it, it feels unlikely or unsustainable that they'd be a, a playoff flirter? Maybe. I mean, Bolton didn't 
Bolton flirted with the playoffs last season, having one promotion from League Two can happen. Maybe it's because Bristol Rovers didn't start the season very well. And it's easy after six, eight, ten games to have an idea of a team. And then that's kind of set in stone. That's kind of concrete. And you don't really move teams from one pigeonhole to another. Maybe that's why. Is it because people don't like their manager and so are less likely to recognise if they are? I think that is in play here. Whatever it is, for the sake of this betting show, none of it really matters. So I will say again, as I have done on at least the last two pods, Bristol Rovers are playing like a top six team and have been for almost three months. Look at the last 12 games, which is uh, half the season so far that's been played. There they are, uh, fifth best record with six wins, five draws, one defeat in their last 12. They've had the toughest fixtures of any of the, the the top teams in the form table in that time. They've played five of the top eight in that time. They've also played seven away games and five home games. So they're imbalanced, not in favour of them in this time. The underlying numbers, yes, top 60, as mentioned last week. Not a patch on Ipswich Town. I'm not going to pretend Bristol Rovers are the best team in the league. They're a level below Sheffield Wednesday and Barnsley and Derby, who project very well in this time. But they are... Top 60. So I say again, Bristol Rovers are playing like a top 16. That's how I am considering them at the moment in the same bucket as Bolton, as Wickham, as Derby, as Barnsley, dare I say it. The the problem is that Wickham are in good nick and they are picking up points at a pretty similar rate. They've definitely tightened up at the back, which they needed to do. They've conceded zero or one in in 10 of their last 12. That's that's what we expect from Wickham and, and that's helped them to move up the table. In attack, I'd say they are a threat, Wickham, but not a constant threat like Bristol Rovers. But they're not bulletproof at home. They've lost to Cambridge this season. They've lost to uh, Shrewsbury this season. They've lost to Argyle as well in their 11 home games so far. I don't think the gap between these sides is anything like what's being suggested. So I think Bristol Rovers are the value. I think they have more firepower and that could be the difference here. So 2.6 for the draw no bet appeals very much indeed. That's my best bet of the weekend. Bristol Rovers draw no bet at Wickham Wanderers. What's next? Bit of a weird one, my second selection, my next best. Um, It is Northampton to beat Mansfield at 5-2. to Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty anti-Northampton from a betting point of view for the most part of 18 months since they've been in League 2. They were one of those sides last season that were running seemingly incredibly hot throughout the whole campaign. The the XG numbers didn't really tally with um, how they got on. And, you know, they were incredibly close to getting promotion out of this league. Um, And it started the same this season. And they had a very poor run of form, which in my head was was kind of it finally catching up with them. But there's been a, a really interesting move in favour of Northampton over the last two games they've played against Tranmere and against Carlisle. Tranmere may be less impressive given Tranmere's recent form, but Carlisle, one of the, you know, a, a team very well respected, a team who are a, a fairly short price to get in the top seven this season after a disappointing start. Before both games, Northampton have been absolutely smashed in the betting like massive massive moves um in both both um home to Tramia and home to Carlisle Northampton and the away team were pretty much picking prices Northampton marginal favorites for the most part and they've gone off about even money in both well that suggests that someone far cleverer than you and I people rate Northampton much higher than than kind of market prices and quite clever people will have models which basically rate a team off the back of starting price so so the you know closing lines basically now i know this isn't for everyone and there will be some people listening to this who bet on football who are thinking what is he talking about um but if you consider 
you know, if you think about how many smart people who are professional gamblers or syndicates or whatever who are betting on football, it's very hard to get a lot of money on on you know if a Saturday game. It's very hard to get any money on early in the week. You basically have to get on. The later you get on, the more money you can get on because the exchanges become liquid and the rest of it. So late market moves are basically those people capitalizing on market inefficiencies and then basically punting the price down to to where it should be. So if you consider similar to a horse race, you know you see graphs of of prices and the rest of it. The most correct, I mean, the theory is the most correct a price will be, and that's not to say it's foolproof. A price will be is basically when when the whistle is blown or possibly sometimes about five minutes into the game, because there's a lot of stories about how now these syndicates still can't get enough on before kickoff. So basically wait until the game starts and then and then, and then have their bets. So if you're taking starting lines or, or closing lines as being a pretty good marker of how strong a team is, then Northampton going off even money at home to Carlisle suggests that they are much, much better than the market suggested over the last few weeks. I would also suggest that people should look pretty seriously at their price um, to for, for promotion and to finish in the top three because again, I, this is a, a pretty recent move. They're currently eight to five to finish in the top three, which when you consider where they are in the in the table, they're currently in fit sorry in third, and they've got a seven point gap to fourth. That is a remarkable price. If they are going off even money against Carlisle at home, there's absolutely no way they're that price to finish in the top three. They should be way, way shorter. So that could be my nap if you want. Um, but yeah, I, I personally haven't seen loads to, to justify it. But you know, if I'm, if I'm a slave to the data, I'm also a slave to the to the to the, to the betting data. And basically, that alone, and also, you know, they were they were good in their win over Carlisle. Um, on the weekend, they've they've won three of the last four games. You know they're clearly playing very well. That the injuries that that impacted them during that bad run are now over. Hoskins is back fit. Um, they basically got their their whole squad to choose from. Um, so yeah, at, at five to two, I'm 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 just getting with the market basically on on Northampton. It could be our first ever market pick three mm. years into the betting show. Well, certainly the starkest of them. Interesting. Exciting. Watch them now. Watch them now go off five to one, and I'll be so <laughs> so annoyed. That was interesting. Thank you. My next best is Burton to beat Lincoln uh, five to four with the Betfair Sportsbook. That's two point two five. This one's at the Pirelli, and it's a mixture of things. Really, Lincoln's sort of out a bit because I don't really know what to expect from them. Away from home, they've had some incredible results this season. They've beaten Ipswich at Portman Road. They've beaten Barnsley at Oakwell. They beat Oxford at the Cassam. Now. At least two, if not all three of those, were broadly or completely backs to the wall, nick a goal, defend with blood and thunder and honour and and get the win. But not necessarily the sort of stuff that most people would say is conducive to a really strong away record over, let's say, 23 games. Um, It's also not really how they can approach this game. I don't think the narrative of Burton away for Lincoln fans when they're so much higher than them in the table, when they've got so many more points than them, it it dictates the fact that Mark Kennedy can't and won't set them up in, in that way, in that image. But that's where they've had their greatest success away from home. The away games that they've played against Cambridge and Shrewsbury and Port Vale, I believe are much more relevant for Cambridge's away form and for making projections and predictions off it. A 2-0 defeat at Cambridge where Lincoln generated 0.43 expected goals despite having been behind in the first half. A 2-0 defeat at Shrewsbury, 
0.5 expected goals generated, a 1-0 defeat at Port Vale with 0.25 XG generated. These are games where they've gone to a team that they would have had every intention of, of taking the game to and beating. They wouldn't have feared at all. But in those games, their performance level has been low, poor, certainly going forward, and they haven't been as sturdy defensively. So that's kind of what I'm playing on here from a Lincoln side that also, and this is the other big thing, Tuesday night in the Carabao went down to Southampton, put in a huge effort, defended for their lives. They lost that one 2 one, but they, 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 they had a lot of time out of possession, a lot of time defending a, a huge mental and physical output, a huge effort. And maybe this fixture will be a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show for them. That's what I'm hoping for. I guess that's what I'm leaning on here. From the Burton point of view, I just think it's time. I, I really feel, and we've said many times, that for two or three months, Burton have played like a team way better than their league position suggests, but they've been undermined by the horrific start of the season that they had. Dino Mamre has been excellent, has breathed confidence into them. They look motivated. They're playing a style that suits them. Um, they attack well. They take loads of shots. They're still a crazy set-piece threat. But they've had a horrendous run of fixtures. They've played a ton of the top teams. They've really struggled for wins. They've got a lot of draws, a lot of positive results in isolation. They've bloodied the noses of a lot of the top teams. But they have to start picking up points to close the gap and to kick off their proper survival bid. And the next five league games, the gauntlet is laid down for them. Lincoln at home, then Forest Green, then Morecambe, then Shrewsbury, and then Lincoln again. The next five for Burton are massive. And I think they're ready. And I believe that they will start to pick up points at a level that suggests they're not a bottom four team. And eventually that will lead to them getting out of it. Burton, my next best, 2.25524 with the Betfair Sportsbook, where it's bet 10, get two. Don't forget, if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you get a £2 free bet at T's and C's in the description of the podcast. Bet 10, get two there with the Betfair Sportsbook. With the Betfair Exchange, George, let's see if we can get our lays up once again. Yeah, I'm laying Sheffield United um, at home to Coventry uh, at 1.7. No disrespect at all to Blades, who I, you know, I think uh, are destined to finish in the top two and return to the Premier League. Um, Huge respect for them and what they're doing at the moment. Um, It's just Coventry, I I think, are a slightly disrespectful price, I would say. Um, They are kind of 5.7 on the exchange at the moment. And that comes off the back of beating Baggies on Wednesday night, um, 1-0, albeit through a fairly fortunate penalty, but it was the least that they deserved. They were the better team throughout, up against a West Brom side who'd been so impressive under Carlos Corbran over the last couple of weeks. You know, that run was never going to continue, but it was the manner of the the performance from Coventry, I think, rather than the flat performance from West Brom. It was flat, but but I think it was because Coventry was so at it. When you consider that Coventry raced into a three-goal lead at home to Swansea, yes, they drew that game 3 all, but I think that is a case of being unable to see out the game. Their, their performance up until 3-0 up was, again, that of a, a team who are certainly playoff challenges at the very least. So they've come back from the break, in my mind, um, you know, with probably results better than the performances. It was a disappointing result, of course, at Reading. But we're seeing them, a team now, in my mind, who are capable of operating at a, at a high level. Um, and they are, in my mind, being priced up as being uh, mid-table fodder. And I don't think that's particularly fair. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, you know, Sheffield United clearly favourites here, clearly likely to win, but uh, at 1.7, I'm, I'm happy to take them on. Well, isn't this fun? Because my nap last week, best weekend of the season for us was Sheffield United. You've responded by laying them. Your nap, 
your nap last weekend, ah. Burnley against Middlesbrough, and I'm responding by laying the league leaders, Burnley. We're taking on the top two in the championship, having backed them last weekend. I'm laying them, and I've been matched uh, 1.65 on the Betfair exchange. They are at home to Birmingham. And really, this, this felt like it fell into my lap a little bit. It's a lovely confluence of two Monday pod discussions, two Monday pod um, bits of, of opinion or information, I guess, uh, that I came up with. The first one, Burnley and overperforming their XG. Burnley are expected to score goals, but are overperforming their expected goals by a very chunky margin. Please refer back to Monday's episode if you need more information on that. I'm not going to bother going through the stats again, but they're finishing at a ridiculously hot rate, in particular the dribbly Belgian Manny Benson. Uh, they're up against a Birmingham City side whose manager John Eustace I compared to the World Cup winning manager Lionel Scaloni. High praise indeed. And that's because I think that in Eustace we have a guy who is absolutely excellent at nil-nil. His game plans, his strategy, his team selection is reflected in what happens in the first 15 minutes of Birmingham games this season. They start well, they put teams on the back foot, they're excellent out of possession and quite often they tend to get a goal as well. That's the same as, as Scaloni and Argentina, who were brilliant from the off, have been for two years. Uh, not so great once they're ahead, of course, and threw away a couple of two-goal leads, but still ended up winning the World Cup. It's better to be... It's more powerful to be good at nil-nil and less good at 2-0 up than less good at nil-nil, put it that way. So I think Eustace will have a good game plan here as Birmingham go to Burnley. I think they can start well. Burnley had a, a huge go last night uh, at Old Trafford, didn't they? Played Manchester United in the Carabao Cup mm. on Wednesday night with the first team out. Now, how will that affect them here in terms of conditioning? I don't know, but I'm sort of suggesting that it might affect them, even though I don't really know. Could <laughs> Birmingham catch Burnley? Cold with a fast start. I'm hoping so. That's what I'm hoping so. Now, I would worry a lot about the last half an hour because we know and we've seen it many times. Burnley can bring on five very impressive subs and Birmingham have a massive drop off from their first teamers to their bench players. So there's a small temptation by the 22 to one Birmingham halftime, Burnley full time that the Betfair Sportsbook are offering. But it's also my lay Burnley at 1.65. I don't think... I would ever have felt in the last four years of doing the betting show like I could really trust Birmingham City with my money. And now I think it's worth having a go and seeing how it feels. So up the Scaloni Eustace Blues. I'd say it's always worth having a go and seeing how it feels, mate. There Live life by that mantra and you'll you'll go far. From now, I will be. Goals. Yeah, a bit of a short one, this. Rotherham fans, please turn off because I don't want to feel like I am targeting you, but... I think this is going to continue to be pretty profitable until I see anything else. I'm backing over uh, over 1.5 Stoke goals at 5-4. to four. Backed over 2.5 Baggies goals last Saturday um, at 2-1, to one, which was a winner. I think um, just at the moment with Rotherham, they they basically look like they're going to concede so many chances in every game. It doesn't really matter who their, who their opponents are. So um, Stoke, signs of life, I guess, last time out where they, they got two goals and one one away from home, 2-1. Um, Liam Delap having, you know, he, he's another one of those loanies who looks like he's finally getting used to life in the first team at the championship level. Um, and we know that Alex Neal is a very capable manager, a very good manager at this level to, to get teams scoring when, when he's um, getting his messages across. So 
yeah, apologies to, to Rotherham fans again, but I, I think this could be another game where I, I basically think if Rotherham are going to pick up points, they're going to have to fight fire with fire because defensively they look they look so poor. My goals pick is Rochdale against Hartlepool under 1.5 goals at 3.3. That's 23 to 10. Uh, I had an under 1.5 goals double in League Two last week, which in which both games were called off within about two hours of us recording, <laughs> which was exceptionally tedious. Uh, these games, I'm pretty confident will go ahead. I want to back the under 1.5 in a Hartlepool game. That's what I tried to do last week. I get my chance this week again away at Rochdale. It's 21st against 22nd in League Two. Both teams on 15 points. It's a massive game. It's a really, really important match for both teams. Now, Hartlepool have conceded the most away goals in the league, which on its own doesn't sound great for an under 1.5 game when they're away from home. But they've played the current top six all away from home, conceded quite a lot of goals against them. They got done... 4-0 at Walsall on opening day when they were a bit of a shambles of a team under Paul Hartley. The Keith Curl era has not come with a ton of points, but I still st- still think he's probably the best option for them at this moment in time. And I think more relevant for this game aren't those away games against the top teams where they've conceded three or four. It's what I saw against Crawley in Sussex on that frozen Friday a couple of weeks ago. Hartlepool came with no ambition to attack pure ambition to keep the game at nil-nil, to deny space in central areas, three at the back, three central midfielders, two wing-backs, none of whom were attack-minded. They attacked with a front two, Onomer and Hamilton, who didn't look like they had a particularly strong partnership, and more or less, that was it. They wanted it to be nil-nil for as long as possible, and then to nick one, and they did. They nicked two from set pieces, and they won the game 2-0. I see no reason for Keith Curl to change that approach for this game. I think that will be the Hartlepool blueprint here, and I'm just not sure that Rochdale have the answers to those questions from what I've seen in the last month or two. It's just four league goals in their last seven league games. Uh, They've lost seven of their ten at Spotland. It's all a bit glum and gloomy once again. I... Might well be wrong, but I'd be astonished if this is an open game with tons of shots and tons of chances. So the under 1.5 at 3.3 is my goals pick. I reckon it's going to be a criminally bad game to watch. <laughs> Horrendous for the neutral, but it's one with plenty riding on it. Tension, nerves, and I reckon low margins. Under 1.5, Rochdale Hartlepool 3.3. Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. With Betfair's popular Bet Builder, you can easily add the trending EFL Bet Builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. You can find them on the Betfair Sportsbook app at the top of the football page, the popular Bet Builder selections. And of course, you can build your own bets as well with Betfair. George, goal scorer. Yeah, I'm backing Ellis Harrison. Uh, I tried to do this a couple of weeks ago, but he um, didn't play, which is a bit weird. He wasn't in the squad, but he's back in the squad and playing games. Um, he played in the EFL Trophy midweek. He played in the in the game last weekend as well. Um, and Port Vale host Morecambe, um, again, like Rotherham, um, I, th- I think there are quite big similarities between the two sides, really, where um, every Morecambe game, they basically never keep the opposition at bay from just preventing him from creating chances. It's normally Conor Ripley having to do that in terms of saving shots. Um, Harrison still projects as one of the best um, XG per 90 strikers in um, in League One. Um, he is still the main goal-scoring threat in my mind when he plays uh, and he should have plenty of chances to do so here. So Harrison at 15 to 8 with Port Vale at home and, and heavy odds on favourites um, looks to me to be the best kind of safest goal-scorer pick over the weekend in the EFL. I've got a 
Christmas Trixie. Just think it's that time of year. First leg, championship goal scorer, QPR's lovable rogue, who you said you think might be one of the best players in the league in the second half of the season. Music to my ears. The lovable rogue nickname that doesn't really work now that I've been educated on how to actually say his <laughs> name. It's Tim Irabunum. I think he's going to score for QPR against Cardiff in your nap. Uh, shots in his last eight games. Three, two, two, three, 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 zero, five. And that five is particularly loud and exciting because that was Neil Critchley's first game. He moved the number 10s wider, more space for Dazelle and Irabunum in the central midfield role. And Tim was making the most of it. Looked like he was playing a really enterprising role. Clearly with a green light to shoot, he hit the post in that game as well. Irabunum's 15-2, 8.5 in the decimal to score any time here. Sam Hughes is leg two. In League One at Burton versus Lincoln, my next best. He's at 10 to 1 to score anytime. Hughes is a big favourite of the merry band of CB goalscorer backers across the EFL, which is a very merry band of people, which I'm proud to be a part of. He's had six more shots than any League One centre back this season. He's had seven shots inside the six yard box. That's two more than any League One centre back this season. He has scored one goal from two and a bit expected. I think he's due. In his last eight appearances, Sam Hughes, the centre-back, has had three shots, one shot, two, four, two, one, one, two. He's been getting a look at least one, if not two, three or four, in each of his last eight games. So, Sam, give us a look for Burton against Lincoln at 10 to 1. This fatigued Lincoln back line trying to handle free kicks and corners and long throws all launched into the six-yard box looking for Hughes's head. And in League Two, the third selection has to be Stockport's Will Collar because I picked him two weeks ago, frozen pitch. I mentioned him one week ago, frozen pitch. He hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. When he last played, he scored a hat-trick against Charlton in the Cup. I don't want to miss out here, having mentioned him in the last few weeks. In his last nine starts, Will Collar shots, 3-1-4-3-2-2-2-7. He has scored in four of those nine matches, six goals in total. Stockport at home to crew, 2-5 to five to win that game. I think Collar's going to have a decent opportunity at the very least. So my three wise men are Sam Hughes, uh, Tim Irobenham, and Will Collar. They are gold, frankincense and myrrh. A Trixie is, is four bets. That's three doubles and a treble. Uh, a quarter point on each. So I need two of them to score to make money here. But if they do, we could be getting quite excited. The doubles range between 37 to 1 and 92 to 1. And the treble is 420 to 1. Irabunum, Hughes, Collar. Come on. George, why don't you recap your bets as we head into Christmas? Step into Christmas. QPR, my nap um, at Cardiff at 2 to 1. Uh, Northampton, 5 to 2. Away at Mansfield, um, my quite weird, nerdy next best. Uh, Sheffield United, my lay at home to Coventry. Over 1.5 Stoke City goals at Rotherham. And Ellis Harrison to score any time at 15-8 to is my goal scorer. My nap is Bristol Rovers draw no bet at 8-5, 2.6 away at Wickham Wanderers. I've backed Burton at 5-4 to four to beat Lincoln at home. I've laid Burnley at 1.65 at home to Birmingham on the Betfair Exchange. My goals pick is Rochdale Hartlepool to be under 1.5 goals. That's at 3.3, 23-10. And the goal scorer, Trixie, is Tim Irobenham 
at 15 to 2. Sam Hughes at 10 to 1 and Will Collar, he's at 7 to 2. Uh, the Trixie there, so three doubles and a treble. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really wish you so much joy and happiness and comfort and love over the next few days. We won't do a betting show for the Slater games on the 29th or 30th, but we will be sharing plenty of thoughts on those fixtures, no doubt, on the betting channel on NTT20 Squad. So if you wanted to give that a go and see what it's like, then there's a two-week free trial period that you can do before you start paying a monthly subscription. So this could be a good time to check it out. Head to the link in the description of this podcast if you'd like to try signing up to the NTT20 squad. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Betfair for their continued support of this podcast. And have a very, very happy Christmas.